My name is Captain Zach, and this is Along the Keel. As a lifelong waterman, I have gone coast to coast having opportunities to rub elbows with some incredibly hardworking men and women who have built their lives by the shoreline. I take you behind the scenes of some of the most iconic coastal brands, chat with entrepreneurs, and chop it up with the people who are making a difference on our coastal communities. Born from the need, built by the water, get ready to earn your summer. What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Along the Keel. My name is Captain Zach, and in this week's episode of the podcast, I have another Captain Zach on the podcast. Not only that, but he is also a Captain Zachariah, which you don't meet a lot of us out there. And when you do, and you find out he has a coastal brand and also loves to work out at 5 a.m. in the morning, you have him on the podcast because that's what you do. And That is exactly what we're doing today. We're having Zach on the show to talk all about the Thrash Can, a five-gallon bucket topper that turns your bucket, any bucket, into a trash can that prevents trash from going into the ocean, killing marine life, making a big old mess, and we also get into all the other businesses that Zach has been a part of, created, and his life as a serial entrepreneur. It was an awesome podcast. I really enjoyed having Zach on the show today, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Along the Keel. If you want to support the show, please go over to Apple Podcast and leave a five-star review. Write something nice if you want to, and check us out on social media at Along the Keel on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. And also sign up for our newsletter at alongthekeel.com. You can learn all about this episode of the show there. And please, please, please like, share, and subscribe. Anyway, before we go into the show, we want to give a quick shout out to Waypoint TV, who is hosting this podcast, as well as Social Cadence, who is helping us schedule all of our social media. So with that, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the show, episode 74, featuring the Thrash Can. Zachariah. Or we'll just we'll just Zachariah. keep it, Zachariah. Zachariah, good to see you again. Um, you know enough about real estate talk because we could we could chit chat yeah, about right. that all day. Um, but you know it's super cool to be able to well a meet another Zachariah because there's not a lot of us out there. I don't think I've ever met one before meeting you at ICAST. Have had you met one no, before? I haven't. You're the first Zachariah I've met. I, when you told me that day, I was I just assumed it was a Zachary. Uh, any any other right. Zach spelled with ph? It's been Zachary or something uh, to that effect. Never Zachariah. You're the first. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's a rare, it's a rare, it's a rare breed, us Zacharias. And uh, I guess we gotta we gotta at least stick together in, in some capacity. But it was cool being able to meet you at ICAST. But we prior to ICAST, it was really I met you in the parking lot of what was it the fire station or of in down yeah, in Orlando, right Orlando fire station. Uh, yeah, it was right across from the Hilton, I believe. Uh, the fire station over yeah. there with, yeah, that wasn't the uh, one the best of places to meet, but it was <laughs> it was a pretty cool experience, and um, you know we got to we got to both see Tom Rowland um, outwork us <laughs> firsthand, so that was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When else. it comes to the CrossFit, <laughs> that that dude <laughs> has has got it down. That is for sure. He's got hell of an engine, yep. and he's. He's just an all-around great athlete. Um, it was he cool really being is. able I mean, to. Uh, 
yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool to watch. And then, you know, not only that, but to see everyone else that showed up that day and you had never met Tom before that, correct? Uh, actually I met Tom in the same place, uh, two years prior. So in 2019, um, for the same thing, the same workout. Um, I want to say I did a little better back in 2019. I may have, uh, (laughs) I may have had a few too many beers in, in between, but um, the, the person who inter, uh, impressed me actually was Jonathan Moss, man. Like he was crushing right? it and, and he's an older guy too, but he was there every single day. I know you were too. I, I only made it the first day. Um, I was in the, I was in the scrub class, but, uh, man, he was, <laughs> he was killing it too. I was like, I was yeah. bad out there. <laughs> hey man, I wouldn't, don't put yourself down. Not, not many people are getting up. What was it? Like, I think I got up at 445 that morning to to then run down to the parking lot with builder um it was a yeah i was i was to be honest with you and i'm thinking i oh, will grab an airbnb i mean not an airbnb an uber and uh you know because it's like a mile away i looked it up i'm like yeah that's uber that's uberable and he's like nope we're gonna run it i'm like all right well i haven't run in like six months so this is good <laughs> man that's but, i mean I, I hats off to you guys <laughs> We but, drove there. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, we touched base again at ICAST and it was just, it yeah. was great being able to see a community of people that kind of get together for one, you know, the love of the ocean and fishing and just conservation and a whole, you know, variety of levels. Right. And guys like Absolutely. Jonathan Moss, who I think John will be coming on the podcast, um, you know, in a few weeks or within, a, you know, within the month, hopefully. And awesome. uh, yeah, just, meeting awesome guys. So Zachariah, Zach, we'll just call you Zach Thrasher, <laughs> Mr. Thrasher. Um, yeah, you people. know, Thrasher. they just call you Thrasher. Yeah. A lot of people. I mean, I, that started on uh, when I was in high school and uh, on wrestling team, everyone called each other by their last name and uh, kind of stuck, I guess. So it's always been Thrasher, Zach too, but mostly Thrasher. Yeah. So where does that nickname, like how did that evolve? Uh, which for the thrash can or just the thrasher just being called thrasher? No, just thrasher in general. Cause now you've kind of built a brand, several brands yeah. around. I mean, name. I think it all goes back to just, I mean, high school wrestling team. I mean, everybody, like I said, it was everybody's last name. That's just what we called everybody. It was easier. Mm-hmm. There's too many. I think we had like two or three Josh's, you know, it was just easier to call everybody by their last name. It just stuck. Yeah. And it was always thrasher. And, um, I get that a lot if I'm filling out something or somebody asks you, well, what's your name? You know, Zach Thrasher. And they're like, oh, that's a cool last name. Zachariah never seems as cool, but, you know, Thrasher, <laughs> usually, Thrasher usually um, people uh, kind of key in on it. And it's been, it's kind of a, a uncreative way for me to name whatever business or product or endeavor I'm taking on. It's just easy to be like, okay, Thrasher property or Thrasher lures. It's, it just kind of stuck right. and it's, uh, it's done well so far. So. If it ain't broke, I Multi- guess. <laughs> Multifaceted last name. I didn't know you wrestled in high school, so I was a wrestler as well. And then um, Tom, so it seems to be, you know. Yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, I'm pretty sure Jonathan might have wrestled too, uh, if I'm not really, mistaken. Really, I didn't know I, c- cool. I could I was, be wrong about I was that. that but, terrible, but, um, but I, I, still, I still got buddies <laughs> from the team that I'm friends with to this day. And uh, Apparently, you don't have to be a good wrestler to have, you know, a good time. and. <laughs> meet a lot of good people yes 
Right, right. So, you know, we're, we're kind of here to talk about a variety of things, but, you know, you, you have such an interesting, um, just an interesting way about going things, you know, whether it's your, your real estate, your, you know, lure company into the thrash can, right. And just everything in between, like you are a serial entrepreneur, you know, and it's, and it's cool to yeah. see that someone that, you know, and, and you're a younger guy too, as am I. And, and it's, it's very cool to be able to kind of pick your brain. And, you know, I let la- our last, <laughs> he's doing this, um, you know, our, our last conversation, you know, it was just kind of an intro, but it really kind of spun off onto just building businesses and, and what it, what it's like to kind of go through the, 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 the patience, the, the waxing and the waning of what it means to kind of just put it all out there and put it on the line. So I'm curious, like, where did uh where did Zach kind of get started? You're down in Orlando. We were talking earlier about all your real estate, which you know that's like another side passion. Um, but yeah, where did this all a, start? Yeah, it's a long story, man. Um, how much time do we have? But we, <laughs> we'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll I'll, uh, I'll try to I'll try to uh, trim the fat a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of I, I tell my wife all the time it's. Um, you know, you go to a, a, for example, when I meet some of her coworkers or friends for the first time, um, you know, most people, they introduce themselves and they ask you, what do you do for a living? You know, it's really easy if you're an accountant or a fireman or whatever, you know, yeah. like whatever profession, um, it's a short, simple answer and you move on to the next thing. For me, it's like, well, I mean, I have a couple <laughs> small businesses, uh, which one do you want me to focus on right now to move this conversation yeah. on kind of thing, but. Um, But really, it it all goes back to, um, honestly, uh, college, I guess, was when I started my first business. So it was, uh, I was 22. I was a uh, freshman in college, or I was a sophomore in college, sorry. Um, I had taken a year off after high school. uh, But I I came up with this business idea. It was actually a keg delivery service. I don't even know if I told you about this, but um, I uh, started a keg delivery business in college. And uh, I had, you know, kegs uh, rented taps and tubs and beer pong tables sold ice and cups and i even had a kegerator leasing uh, lease to own program that i had and i mean it was awesome i i honestly feel like i learned more from that first business than i did at uh, florida state's business school i mean it, it was really um immersive i guess uh i learned a lot of you know uh, a lot of hard lessons too um the business did well but it wasn't what's that well, what made you start that? Like, why was it? Why? Because most college kids on weekends they're going and getting hammered, and now you're supplying <laughs> the means to the end, right? You know what I mean? So, like, so I was doing that too, of course. But actually, uh, so that that original uh, business was at we were at a party. Um, it was a house party. They had a keg, and it you know it was obviously mm-hmm. empty, and uh, somebody was going around collecting money. The only guy that had a truck was probably more hammered than anybody else at the party. And I'm like, no, this guy's cannot be the guy that's going to go get another keg. He's going to kill himself or somebody else, you know, on his way. And uh, mm-hmm. I kind of said to my buddy, uh, you know, at the time and kind of joking, I was like, man, I wish you could just call up and order a keg, like pizza or mm-hmm. something. We wouldn't have to worry about it, you know, and just tip the guy 20 bucks or whatever. No one has to drink and drive. And that's, that's what kind of initiated that. Um, and then mm-hmm. next thing you know, it just kind of snowballed into, I had to, uh, second largest walk-in cooler in Tallahassee I had over 88 kegs of beer in stock at a time. I, my first uh, first year in business, I think I, I always joke that my my uh, uh, most I ever spent on beer in college was somewhere close to 40 grand in a year. 
Wow. <laughs> it was just the kegs, but um, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was a cool little business. But I would say that was like kind of the uh, spark. The uh, that's what kind of got me going on this uh, serial entrepreneurship path, I guess. Um, for sure, that was after that. It was like, nah, I, this is what I have to do. I, I don't want to work for anybody else. Like this is this is where I want to be. Maybe not doing this, but this is where I want to be. Right, right. Now, growing up, was there someone? excuse me, was there someone that was kind of doing something similar? You know, I, I feel like a lot of people that are in the entrepreneurial kind of mindset um, or just someone that owns their own business is always kind of, you know, they, they see someone else doing it or maybe a close friend or, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, I've been fortunate to kind of be in that realm, you know, so seeing that it's like, oh man, that's like you, that's where I want to be. So was there someone there that kind of, I guess, initiated that, catalyzed that initial thought? Without a doubt. Uh, without a doubt, that would be my dad, 100%. He's uh, He's been in the automotive upholstery business for, I mean, probably 10, 15 years before I was born. So okay. he's been doing it for a long time. And that seeing him, um, you know, he was never huge, but uh, he did really well for himself. He was a craftsman. He was very skilled. Um, he was one of the best guys to do it in his day. But, um, but he kind of instilled that entrepreneurship and um, that, you know, don't rely on anybody else. You put your head down, you grind and you'll be successful. And that's, I kind of kept that for sure. And then his uh, influence and, um, you know, the auto upholstery industry actually kind of led to my second business in a way. Um, so I, I think I mentioned in passing that I had two other patents uh, for right. it's a door repair kit for Jeep Grand Cherokees and Jeep Commanders. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> when I was, let's see, just right after high school, I was making uh, custom motorcycle seat pants for like choppers and stuff during this big OCC chopper craze when that was all really big. And uh, some mm -hmm. of these custom bikes, you couldn't just go and buy a seat for it. You had to actually physically make a custom fiberglass seat pan, build the foam up and then cover it in whatever leather or exotic material they wanted. But um, I was doing mm -hmm. that. Uh, and then I kind of took that skill and I had a uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee that had a broken interior door handle and I went to the dealer went, I tried to research how to fix it. Couldn't find anywhere how to fix this thing. Um, they wanted like six to $800 per door. And I mean, I was already eating ramen noodles at the time, you know, going to college, there was no way I was going to be able to do that. Um, and I was like, Hey, right. I, you know, I, I don't know how to work with for glass. I could probably make something work. And, um, that's pretty much what happened. I took a took a mold, the one good door handle I had, and made a plastic door handle that I could kind of put into place, painted it. Um, I actually heated up a little piece of PVC in a toaster oven <laughs> in between my plastic <laughs> or uh, my fiberglass mold, and it worked surprisingly. And you know, then that kind of uh, fast forward a little bit more, and I'm. I've got several toaster ovens in my college apartment. I got a little door handle factory going, you know, I'm sure my roommates love that. Um, and that kind of led to like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was, it was, it's so that, that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's, um, I'm sure my friends are, are over it by now. They're like, Zach's always, they don't even, they're not even surprised anymore. <laughs> Something happens. What does Zach do? What's Zach doing these days? Yeah. yeah exactly. And, and it's, it's like, it's like, Hey, what, what do you do? Uh, 
you know what? That's a kind of a loaded question. I got like five different things I do. Oh, I totally know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah. Like someone will ask like, well, yeah, it's like, well, I drive boats and you know, I do online television stuff and I got a podcast and then I also sell stuff. It's like, all right, man, like what, what are you, what are you doing over here? You know? But I, I think it really comes down to like not getting bored, you know? And, and, I if I had that. to just go down and just do something every single day, the, the write an email every single day or or file paper, I would just go insane. Like it just wouldn't it just wouldn't work. And my family will tell you, they're like, Yeah, Zach will try something and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Like in college, similar to you, like I had a little Amazon business and I would literally go right. before class at eight AM and um, you know, there was these towels. Right. And I feel like it's always the most random stuff. Right. Like here you are making seat pans for choppers and and a door handle kit. Right. And I was selling, um, you know, those towels, those those towels that kind of dry you off or keep you cool, I should say. You know, if you soak them in water to keep you cool, put them on. So I found out. Yeah. Like construction workers and whatnot. So I found out that I could buy them for really, really cheap at this place called job lot here in, here in Rhode Island. And you can resell them on Amazon for like three times or four times the price, you know? So what I would do is I'd go into job lot and I just take my cart in my hand and I just like sweep them into my cart. And when I would go check out, they were like, so what do you, why do you keep coming in here and buying these? And I'm like, man, I just really like them. They're like, they're great. They work really well. And uh, they were like, okay. Yeah, exactly. It, but the the beauty of it was was you know if I didn't what I didn't sell, I would just I just return it and get my money back, you know, and like pay the shipping fee. So it was like it was great inventory. Joblot was awesome. And if anyone here from works from Joblot, you know, you guys should uh, be wary of people like me. But you know that's neither here nor there. So you know what I really the reason why we met at iCast was for your you know business the thrash game right and and thrash alerts yep. and you know, what I thought was super, what was a genius product and, you know, one that you have a patent on is, is this idea for a, a bucket topper that allows you to have, um, like a mobile trash can. Right. And there's so many different areas that you kind of go into with it, whether it be the conservation side, how you've created it, like the patent process. So what was it that made you go from making Jeep Cran Cherokee door handles to, you know, because you're also a captain, we don't want we want to you know sneak that little nugget in there as well on top of everything else, and and you know, but then at the same time, like you use your ability to kind of see where a problem is and trying to solve it to create what is now the thrash can, you know, which such a serendipitous you know name for not only your last <laughs> it name, worked but, again, yeah. and it's it worked like said, really well. So <laughs> so, yeah, so how did that all? So the, the thrash can, um, yeah, so uh, it's not a stretch to say that uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee and Commander door handles weren't my passion. Uh, that's not something that I did for fun in like any way or form. Yeah, that was, I mean, I, I saw a way to profit from it and I didn't, I didn't really see anything else other than, you know, being able to fix my own car in the short term and long term, being able to profit from the business. But uh, I've always been passionate about fishing. Um, I've always been really into like just conservation and, and I mean, I've just been raised that way. I was, I was actually an Eagle Scout 
And, uh, you know, I was always, I was always raised that you should leave somewhere better than you found it. You know, you shouldn't leave anything behind. And if someone else did, that's on them. You should clean it up for them. I've, I just kind of grew up with that uh, mentality. And, yep. um, I kind of came up with this idea. <clears throat> I got tired of seeing trash, obviously, like, uh, some of the smaller stuff that I know just blew out of a boat. Um, when I'm on the water, you know, you see like a crush can or a water bottle, uh, wrapper, cracker wrapper, or, or something like that, something light that blows out. And I was trying to come up with a way to kind of stop that or, you know, prevent that from happening. And I, I never really did anything about it. I, I kind of had some ideas, but I never uh, made a move. And um, coincidentally, we were on a uh, charter in Costa Rica and it was this beautiful sport fishing yacht. I mean, with a crew that was you know running like clockwork every they had everything figured out so I'm, I'm out there fishing and about the third time i see the uh the first mate chase a can around the back of the boat um i'm like you know what if this guy is having this problem this crew is having this problem this has got to be something that's industry-wide it's got to be something that um you know even on a smaller scale people are it's something that they need and literally i got back to the hotel room i started sketching stuff out, drawing it on, a you know, the little free pad of paper you get in the hotel, um, coming up with some <laughs> design, um, kind of brought that back to Orlando and we got home and talked to my dad again, who was, uh, in the auto upholstery industry, who's perfect for helping me make a prototype, uh, being able to sew up some of these materials that I had and these crazy ideas that I had. And, um, finally we got something that worked and, um, I tried it out. I remember the first time I took it out on my boat, I was like, this is it's stupid that this has not existed and it just seems so simple and it, it works so well. I just, I couldn't believe that this wasn't out yet. And of course then it, mm. you know, I moved on to the patent process to protect myself, started kind of going from there on figuring out how I'm going to increase production and get into stores. And it just kind of exploded for sure. Right. Right. So, you know, I think you kind of skipped over the fact that you're also a captain too, right? Yeah, like, yeah. so it, and, and the fact that you grew up on the water and, you know, the ocean has kind of been very important to you, you're down in Orlando. So, you know, Florida is, you know, besides all the alligators, right? You guys are super, super passionate of the ocean, right? And there's a lot of th issues that are going on and, and, you know, something like the thrash can, you know, it's not going it, to, it, it's going to do its part in solving those problems, right? right? right. And think what you've done in creating that is well it's just awesome but there's a whole another side of this thing where it's like okay we got this incredible product but the story behind how it came to be it kind of is encapsulated into like you're a waterman right like you're not just someone Absolutely. who saw the need like you saw the need and then you you capitalized on it but at the same time like you're truly passionate about being on the water you know and and being a part of this bigger thing so like walk me through like when did you get your license it's funny i, I actually <clears throat> so my uh, grandfather who was um unfortunately he was really sick at the time and uh he he was uh he would always ask me you know i, I had talked about getting my cap captain's license for years and, um he would always ask me hey did you get your captain's license anytime i'd see him and um unfortunately towards towards the end you know he, he was asked that was like the the one thing he would always ask me even when, I mean, there was times where he wouldn't remember, uh, you know, someone's name and he would still, Zach, have you, uh, you get that captain's license, you know? And, um, so I, I knew it was, it was something I always wanted to do. I just kind of just kept putting it on the back burner, back burner. 
And uh, finally I buckled down. I ended up just doing an online course um, and then going in person and taking the, the written exam after that. Um, I had plenty of hours. I mean, I had experience running, you know, a lot of different type uh, size boats and it was just one of those things. I just never really put the time into it. Um, but I finally did. I finally buckled down. I finally did it. And I was able to finally tell him, you know, like, Hey, look, you know, Poppy, I, I did it. Here's my, I brought it to him, you know, and showed him, I got my captain's license. Uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately he passed uh, pretty much right after that. Like, I mean, probably within a week or so after that, but that was kind of my main drive to get it. I, I'm, I'm not even guiding. I mean, I, I take people fishing all the time, but I'm not, uh, I'm not doing that as a, a profession by any means. I'm, I'm afraid of getting right. burnout or, or losing my passion for, you know, some of these redfish tournaments and other things that we're, we're trying to do. But that, yeah. that's now is that true. Then, yeah, has been, was that something that was kind of instilled from you from like a younger age, like always being on the water, being, because, you know, in my yeah. line of work, like being full-time captain, you aren't, you don't get good like after you get your license, that's, that's not how it works. Like you got to earn it. Right. And like, you get good when you're behind the, you know, when you're, when you're running a little tiller dinghy at, you know, 10 years old, right. Like that's, that's when, you know, that's when you can learn the currents and the wind and the tides and you get kind of just, I guess, in touch with, with the water around you. So I can imagine growing up. What's that? In touch. touch, Yeah, that's, I mean, the, but that's part I, of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're not jumping waves on a boat at any point in time in your life, like, are you even on a boat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to blow up at least one motor to to truly. You have to know where the line is. You got to know where <laughs> where the line is and where not to cross, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a safety thing, you know. You, if you if you know where the line is, then you then you don't there have you to go. cross it all the time. Not all. We the can time. go with that. Maybe some. Yeah. So, you know, with you kind of leading up to this thrash can, like obviously growing up on the water had a huge impact into, you know, where you are today. And then once you create the thrash can, what was your step into like, okay, I got this thing. I'm super passionate about the water and the ocean. Like, where do I go from it? You know, cause you could have a product, you know, and then you could patent the product, which I'd love for you to kind of touch on what that process looks like. But then at the same time, like, all right, now we got to like, we got to sell this thing. Like we got to get this thing out so we can make a difference. So we can get people to kind of buy into being conscious while out on the water. Yep. hundred percent. Um, as far as the uh, patent process goes, it's actually a lot easier than people may think. Um, I, I think it's really important to find uh, an attorney that you trust and that you think is going to be with you from the beginning till the end, because there's a lot of attorneys that, uh, you know, you can, you can find any uh, patent attorney that can do a search. Um, some guys will be able to actually draw up the patent and file it for you. Uh, and then there's other attorneys that can do all of that and litigate for you if something down the road happens. And this is something I learned uh, the hard way with the door handle company. Um, I had a lot of companies mm-hmm. copying me. and The original uh, attorney that I had, unfortunately, wasn't a litigating attorney. So I had to find a new attorney. Uh, who who could help me there and I could actually go to court and fight these guys um, and who in the long run ended up being the attorney who drew up the patent for the thrash can and a couple other products mm-hmm. for me and, and it's uh it's really paid off but the 
the most important thing I would say is, is find an attorney that's, that you can trust that's going to be able to take you from idea to possibly litigation. I think everybody should think of that. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you just kind of move on from there. But uh, the, the patent process is really just about being patient, um, being patient, trust, trusting your attorney. <clears throat> and that's, that's pretty much it. But yeah. as far and as I the... Can, uh, and that, and that took that? like years, right? Like the patent, yeah, like, did so that take... It depends on the uh, it depends on the type of patent and the complexity of the product, I guess. So, for example, the thrash can is pretty simple. I mean, it, it was kind of a straightforward product, and it was a design patent, um, so it didn't take very long. It was about two years for that. Um, mm-hmm. Where the door handle patents, uh, it's a method apparatus patent, and that's actually a full utility patent that took. I mean, it was almost seven years before it was fully patented. Holy crap! It depends on yeah, it depends on the how complex the widget is, I guess, basically. Right, right. No, that makes sense. So you have this patent. What's the next step? Like, what was the, okay, I got this idea, I got this product. How do I get it out to people? So uh, the next step for me, I I knew I could make it. I knew my dad was capable of making these, but there's absolutely no way that, um, you know, uh, half-retired, auto upholster is going to be able to keep up with uh, demand for this. So I knew I wanted to find somebody that could produce this product. Um, but I didn't want to just, you know, send this straight off shore somewhere and, and have it produced overseas. I wanted to keep it in the U.S. And I, I started kind of researching, figuring out what I could do for that. And I found a company called TackleWebs. And I don't know if you've heard of them, um, but they have like yeah. uh, tackle storage solutions and cooler webs. And they, they, they uh, it's all sewn it's a real similar mesh uh construction i mean it was it was really close to what i was doing and i thought you know well maybe if i can talk to this guy he can kind of help me out uh figure out what i can do to produce these that kind of thing which um i ended up meeting with him he uh he was a little skeptical at first i didn't really tell him anything about what it was i just told him i had an idea uh involved his product and he kind of, uh, he didn't want to give me the time of day at first. He, he kind of gets people that all the time, like, oh, you should make this for that or the other thing. And, and um, he said it's, it's a common thing, but he's glad he took the meeting in the long run. But um, anyways, I sat down with him and I told him about it. And he, uh, his name's Mike, uh, Captain Mike Ortego uh, with Tackle mm-hmm. Webs. And he in, ended up taking me under his wing. And I mean, he's been teaching me a lot about just back in logistics with uh, business and you know, freight quantities and all these things that I had no idea. I'd never uh, dealt with anything on this scale. And, you know, he had the experience Mm -hmm. of not only producing a product that was similar, but then he knows about uh, dealing with these retail buyers. He knows about, you know, getting into the stores and everything else. And um, Mm -hmm. it's been awesome that I I found someone locally in or actually in Orlando within 20 minutes of where I live that was able to do that. And I I feel pretty lucky for that. It just kind of, it worked out really well. Would you kind of consider him like almost like a mentor (laughs) of such, or is he more like a partner? Um, I think originally, uh, we were partners. I mean, I, I brought him in as a partner, um, with Mm -hmm. the business and that's how I, um, gained his help and trust move forward from there. But he kind of became a mentor later. Uh, he, so in 2019, that was the first ICAST I mentioned I met. Tom Rowland at the workout mm-hmm. in the morning. Uh, I was actually just sharing a booth with Mike with uh, a tackle webs. I didn't have my own booth. I didn't have anything. I had like a, 
a teeny little two foot by two foot corner of his table, you know, I'm like off to the side and um, I was just kind of trying to gauge interest and it ended up being a really good time. And I've, I've met so many people in the industry and it, it like I said, I, I wouldn't be anywhere near here without, without him for sure. So that's mm-hmm. kind of went from partner to mentor to, you know, we're, we're moving forward as partners still. So. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I got to imagine like that had to have been a pretty pivotal moment um, in a lot of ways. Cause up until that point, you'd kind of been, I mean, other than your dad, like helping you out here and there, but um, right. you'd kind of been on your own, you know, like you, you'd just been figuring stuff out, you know, like, okay, I got to make a mold. Like yeah. how do I make a mold? All right. Google and YouTube. Yeah, like, exactly. Perfect. Or I'm nobody, you know, like it, and until then it was okay. I, I got to this point, like, maybe it's time to, to reach out. That's what it sounds like. So what was yeah. that transition like in terms of just mentality? Because now you're taking a product from, okay, I got the patent. Okay. I got a product, but at you're, you're now doing it at a scale that you'd never done before. Like I got to imagine there's some, not fear, but it was a little, could have been a little scary. No. Yeah. Without a doubt, man. I, I'm, it's funny that you picked up on that. Cause, uh, <laughs> about that was a hard pill to swallow for me at first with not being a hundred percent owner of a company, bringing on a partner and, and actually having someone else that I have to consult to, to do things mm-hmm. or to consider. And, um, that it actually was a, a really big deal for me, um, to bring somebody else on. And I don't, I don't think anyone's ever called me on that. It's kind of, it's <laughs> kind of funny you picked up on that, well, but, um, yeah, but yeah you was, know, we have, the telepathy right <laughs> maybe that's what it is maybe that's what it is but um but no yeah it was it was tough at first but mike's been i mean he's he's kind of a, a grumpy old salt but you know he's he's been a he's been a good dude overall uh he's he's definitely he's made some networking connections for me that were you know i mean you can't put a price on it and introduce me to people that i never would have met otherwise uh, giving me advice that it probably would have taken years of me screwing up to figure out. So in the long run, it was a, it was definitely a good choice for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it was and, and, and yeah, I can imagine, I can imagine, you know, it's, it's something that having never been in that position, I can't really speak to it, but you know, when you're doing something on your own all the time, it's like, well, you're, you're kind of skeptical right? I mean, yeah. you're like, yeah. are you going to grind as much as I'm going to grind? You know, are you going to help as much as I can? Cause I'm, I'm all in, you know? Um, yeah. and I think the approach by partners, like that's always the question of, well, are you going to grind as hard as I can? Yeah. But when you see guys like, like who have, have a well-established business and are doing things, it's like, okay, yeah, he gets it. You know, he understands because oh, yeah. at some point in time he was, he was right there in your position, you know? Absolutely. Um, so he's been where I'm at. And I, I think he was actually a little bit um, weary of me at first. And it, it, it took kind of a while. I, I think he's kind of in, in his own uh, business dealt with people and been burned before and, and things. And I mm-hmm. think it took me a while to kind of earn his trust too, which is fair. You know, he doesn't know I'm just some guy with an idea. So he he's, hasn't seen me work right. until, you know, now we're a couple years into it. And I think he realizes now it's, I'm, I don't, I don't really stop. It's, I have, I have a problem with that. It's once I get, once I get going on something, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to let off the throttle. Yeah. 
yeah, you're like, by the way, dude, I also have four other businesses. So like, <laughs> I mean, if the proof is in the pudding, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Like, look at my resume. Um, yeah. Well, that brings up a good question. Is like, okay. Yeah, this guy, this guy does not stop. You know, you, there's, I feel like there's underlying factors in entrepreneurship. And I'm kind of glad that, you know, a lot of times we focus on the story of the business and we've really just, we've, we've dove into this story, but I think with that, it warrants a lot of outside questions of just the, the waxing and the waning of creating a business. And as someone who has created multiple businesses and a lot of them just kind of being on your own up until now, you know, there's that, and you said it right at the beginning and I've had this kind of in the back of my head, but it's like the grind, right? The the day in, the day out, the doing stuff that has to be done and no one else is going to do it unless you do it. Like explain that. Like when you say grind, what is that? What does that mean to you? Uh, for me, it's, it's like, like I said, it's the stuff that nobody sees, you know, um, a lot of being an entrepreneur and, uh, working for yourself, it's it's part of that. And I mean, most people, believe it or not, will say, uh, I've had people say it to me, they're like, well, you don't, you don't have a real job, you know, like, you don't have a nine to five, like that kind of thing. And they say it as, uh, yeah. and that, that kind of digs at me a little bit, because I'm like, man, a nine to five would be a pretty cool part time gig right now. You know, <laughs> you know right. what I mean, compared to entrepreneurship, and uh, the stress of having yeah. everything on you. Man, it's, it's, um <clears throat> trying to figure out the best way to say it but it's it's really it's the stuff that nobody sees it's the behind the scenes all the hours of um like the real boring mundane stuff that no one really wants to do like making a business plan or or doing all this research for um you know like a patent search or similar products and trying to break down every single part of it um you know material costs and packaging and all i mean there's so many little minute things that go into even something as simple as the thrash can um that it it takes i mean hours days months weeks just to get through it uh just to get to where you, anyone's even seen the product um and i think i think mm -hmm. that's that's the biggest thing for me is is uh it's the part that nobody sees you know the the long hours uh the the stress on your marriage if i don't know if my wife's within hearing shot right now but <laughs> I'm sure she's felt it too. And, um, and, and like you yeah. said, there's wax waning and, uh, it's, you know, there's, there's so many ups and downs and, um, it's, it's, um, <clears throat> your typical nine to five, you know, you have that, you're pretty confident that paycheck's coming every week. And, um, if you just, mm -hmm. you know, do what you have to do to not get fired, you'll get that paycheck, uh, with entrepreneurship, right. it doesn't, you could, you could be working as hard as you ever have. And there's no guarantee that's going to be there. There's no guarantee the business right. is going to be successful or, or that paycheck's going to be there. And, um, being able to just put that in the back of your mind and, and keep working just as hard as if it's going to be there. I think that's, that's the grind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and not to mention the fact that you could put hours and hours into something of creating the thrash can, not knowing whether or not you're going to make even a dime off of it, you know, and, and yeah. that could be, next week you can make money or it could be five years from now or 10 years from now. Like you have no idea, you know, and, but there's something to be said about just <clears throat> not really looking towards the monetary value. It's, it's, right. it almost becomes like this weird game that you, you inside are sickly enjoying, right. Of, uh, of like, 
man, this is some, like I'm, I'm building something, I'm creating something, you know, I think that's what gets me excited rather than okay. just, you have, oh, to I'm going to make, that. yeah, otherwise it's not fun. Like, cause otherwise if yeah. it's all about money, well then you're not going to be, you're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> yeah. You, you can make money doing this. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. no, you, you have to have that passion and, and, and you, you touched on it earlier, you know, I've grown up on the water and um, it's absolutely not just a product that I'm passionate about, but then, you know, I'm, I'm marketing towards an industry that I'm, you know, I mean, that's, this is what I want to do when I clock out, you know, this is, this is this industry and this promoting the product is, this is what I want to do when I'm not working. So if I can find a way to combine the two of those, then I'm, that's, that's, uh, being a successful entrepreneur, even if you're not filthy rich at the end of the day, if you're doing what you love and you're passionate about it. Uh, I think it's more about quality of life, uh, more so than, you know, the number in your bank account. But yeah, uh, for me, you know, these things, not only do they do a, a good thing, I mean, we're every one of these on a boat, obviously, it not only helps keep trash out of the water, but it, it shows that the captain of that vessel cares. He he doesn't want anything in his boat adding to the problem that's already there. It um, right. It actually... You know, we we donate a portion of uh, every sale towards some kind of some type of uh, coastal ef- conservation effort. Um, mm-hmm. So that that same captain, you know, he's doing his part. He's he's put money towards something else. I mean, it's 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 a snowball effect, man. And it and it I think it makes kind of everybody think twice too. And and when they see something on the boat that's directed at one thing, and that's keeping trash out of the water. And if you're on the boat and you see that, you know, you're gonna think about what you're doing for the rest of the day and you know, maybe be a little bit more conscious about dropping something over the side or flicking a cigarette butt or whatever, hopefully. Yeah, no. And and what I really see the thrash can being is it's a tool to educate people on the, the issues that are affecting our environment, not only just trash, because what it does is it opens up the conversation about conservation. So whether it's about, you know, Tampa Bay right now with all the algae blooms and, you know, what's going on in the Everglades, like, you know, Captains of Clean Water is doing a fantastic job um, kind of covering that. And then, you know, even up here, like the the, the marshlands, you know, the degradation on our marsh and, and shoreline erosion here in Rhode Island. Like what it does is if you're on a boat and you see someone who is taking at least an effort to, you know, have a thrash can and putting your trash into the bucket and like not having it just sit around the boat, it's kind of, it's a, A, it's a great marketing for you. But what it really is, is it opens up the conversation. You know, like when I was running boats on Hawaii, we made it a point to offer reef safe sunscreen, you know, and even if people were coming onto the boat and had sunscreen, but it wasn't reef safe, like we would give them reef safe sunscreen regardless, right? Because we knew the importance of our reef. And and if the reef's not healthy, well, then the fish aren't. And if the fish aren't, then people aren't going to come see a dead reef. So what are we doing here? You know, so it's as almost as if the guides, the guys that are on the boat, you taking your friends and family out who maybe haven't seen that waterway, you're an ambassador for, for the ecosystem, you know? So it's almost as if the thrash can is kind of like a tool to do that. It seems like. Yeah. I mean, that's, I never thought of it that way, but it's absolutely a, an educational tool, um, especially for, like you said, guides and uh, captains taking people out. And I know a lot of people will take a, a you know, hire a guide and maybe a new area they move to and they want to learn more about the fishery. And I mean, that, that is definitely something you want to instill on these people that are coming and moving to the area. And, you know, they see this guide and they see this product, they've never heard of it. 
they see that he's making, um, you know, active choices to prevent trash from going out of his boat, maybe that'll pass on and, you know, educate his friends and family and keep going from there. That'd be, that's, that's a great way to look at it. I never thought about that, honestly. Well, hey, Zacharias, they went the lake. Thanks, Zacharias. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going back to that. Um, so, you know, as you've kind of gone through and, you know, creating the thrash cam, but also like all your other endeavors, what are some of the biggest things that you've kind of taken away with that? You know, like the, what are some of the wanes that you kind of look back at and be like, okay, now I understand why, you know, that happened. And, and you kind of, I guess, look back on your, not really failures because it's always uh, evolution, you know, and, and kind of say, okay, that's how I learned. Like, that's what I took away from this process. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I would say that it teaches you how to be humble for sure. I, I think uh, most people who have started from, you know, this small little business as an entrepreneur and, and kind of grew it into anything, um, it, they have to, at some point, learn how to be humble. I mean, even if they aren't in the beginning, it's, it's, um, it's definitely a profession that's humbling. Um, I was at a point when I, before I invented the door handle repair kit, I was actually, I was in college. I just graduated. Um, I was actually selling my furniture on Craigslist just to be able to pay my rent. And I mean, I didn't know where I was going to be hired. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I knew I didn't want to move back in with my parents or do anything like that. Um, and then that's when the, uh, the door handles happened. I mean, it just happened to be that time and, uh, kind of saved me there. And then that business, you know, obviously allowed me to pay off my student loans and, uh, buy my first house and then, um, gave me the, the means to start this product or, you know, even pursue this product. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, it's just, it's, it's being humble. It's, it's like, it's entrepreneurship is a chance for someone to take little to nothing and build it into whatever they see or whatever their dream might be. I think, I think that's the, the biggest thing for me. Um, yeah. Is it's, it's a way for anybody to do what they want to do. I love that. I love that mentality because, you know, without kind of taking a step back and being humble, it, you're, I feel like you don't, you don't get too far, you know? And, yeah. and if it's, it's yeah. as much about you as it is everyone else too, and creating products that truly, help you know it's not just a cash grab right like the thrash can it's that that really kind of gives back now do you think that you i mean you selling furniture to pay for your rent and 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 (laughs) we can laugh about it now right um well you can i I, it's like yeah uh so (laughs) um was that do you think inventing the door handle was a mixture of just the having the fortitude to keep going or was it a little bit of a, a mix of luck, a mix of stubbornness? Like, cause that kind of really in a lot of ways, other than the keg business was your entry into where you are, where you're at now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I would say I mean there's I I will never deny that there's some luck involved uh, always but I think it was uh it's it's stubbornness for sure I was I don't like to I I I pride myself in being able to fix something I don't know why I probably got that from my dad or my grandfather it's uh they kind of instilled in me that um you know you should 
you should at least try to repair something. We've never, I've never been raised as, you know, just to throw it away and buy a new one. I've, I've, that's uh, completely foreign to me. So um, with the door handle thing, I, I think it was just, I knew I was in a tight spot. You know, I, I had nothing else to focus on. And at the time, you know, I had this broken door handle and I'm sitting around, I didn't have a job. I just graduated. Um, and I'm like, well, maybe I can focus on this and fix this and get my mind off of things even. Um, of course I was fishing at the time too, when I could afford the, the gas, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, th I think it was, <laughs> I'm going to take your words, but stubbornness <laughs> for sure. Uh, luck. Um, and then just that mentality that keep working, you know, keep, keep grinding and something's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. we're talking about it as if it was happening, uh, one thing after the next. And it was, uh, it was a little different than that at the time, but it was, that's definitely how it went. I mean, it went from putting my head down and working just because I didn't want to focus on where I was at the time to, Hey, this is, this might be a successful product. And yeah. Onto the so as you, you know, kind of look for or look towards the future, I should say, you know, with thrash can and all the conservation efforts that you guys do with, whether it be a beach cleanup, you know, donating to organizations, getting involved, where do you kind of see this? Where do you, where do you kind of see this going? So actually, I'm, I'm glad you asked me that. That was, um, we're currently kind of facing an issue right now with uh, meeting demand and we're having a, a few production kinks and I think it's kind of industry-wide with materials and things like that. Even, even um, I know some boat manufacturers have holes that are completed that they just can't power right now. And um, I, I don't think it's just me, yeah. but we're having issues keeping up demand right now and i i've been working with a new company who i, I met at icast and um i've been talking with them and i really want to try to uh, kind of pursue this custom option where you know i might be able to work with these other companies that have a similar focus like uh, maybe like toadfish outfitters i i know that's really cool what they do mm -hmm. with the oysters uh mang the guys what they they do with uh mangroves and for ocean yeah. with the trash is obviously another one. And, and I feel like if I can get to the point where I can work with these other people who I think are doing an amazing job of, you know, this one-to-one -one kind of uh, business model, um, maybe I can work with them and, and kind of take my idea, mix it with other people that are doing great things while still doing, you know, these trash cleanups. And I mean, the, the more of these we get on boats, the, the less trash we're going to see in the water. And like you said, it's an educational tool. I'm hoping that it just kind of, it spreads that awareness and it, it makes people think twice about taking trash out on the boat and letting things just blow away. Or it's just even a conservation mindset. I, I hope it puts people into that, that way of thinking. I would hope. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you rattled off some, you know, Mang has been on the show, you know, Four Ocean, still trying to get them on. So if you're listening, you know, just like, <laughs> call me. All right. Um, but, uh, yeah, great, great people like that doing something good. And then, you know, guys like yourself providing the tools to do so. I think that's an awesome idea and, you know, something that without a doubt is going to bring more awareness to conservation and educating the public on what we got going on. So with that, Zach, uh, yeah, that's the goal. Right. And, you know, so with that, where can people get in touch? Like where can people learn more about it and, 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 buy one, get involved, follow you on Instagram. What's the, what's the deal there? Sure. So uh, I guess one of the best places to purchase it would be on Amazon uh, when they're back in stock. Unfortunately, we're sold out right now. 
Um, we were Amazon's choice product for a little bit and that kind of just cleaned us out. I mean, I, I know a lot of people do that, uh, you, but, uh, we not do still problem. have, some, yeah, it's not a bad problem, but, uh, we do still have some in stock on thrasherlures.com mm-hmm. and, uh, you can check us out on Instagram at, at boat trash can. Uh, we're also on Facebook, the thrash can. Uh, those are, those are probably the top places. We have a YouTube channel too. It's just Z thrasher. But um, we're, we're, you know, we're constantly doing something. We're, we're planning another trash pickup. I mean, if, if somebody listening has another way that we can get involved with some kind of conservation effort, we're, we're all ears and we're, we're happy. We want to we wanna work with a, a different kind of company each year. So, you know, the first year we kind of work with CCA. Uh, we've talked with Captains for Clean Water. We want to kind of pick a different focus each year that's conservation-minded and hopefully be able to be in a position to donate to them each, each year to somebody different. Um, that's kind of the goal. Awesome. Love it. Well, Zach, Hey, thanks for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure getting to chat, you know, all things entrepreneurship, crash can. And, uh, yeah, it was just always good to catch up. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. If you ever want to talk some real estate, let me know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I'm always down to talk real estate. So, all right, man, we'll be good. And, uh, we'll see you on the next one. Yep. Thanks a lot, bud. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Along the Keel. It was great being able to catch up with Zach and uh, memorialize our workout at 5 a.m., you know, right before ICAST with Tom and the Waypoint crew in this podcast. But not only that, get to really learn all about Zach and dive deep into why he created the Thrash Can. One thing that I have kind of taken away with all of our conversations that I've had with Zach, just not only with this podcast, but on the, you know, just casually over the phone would probably be the word patience. Um, Things take a lot longer than you think, right? And, you know, recently this past summer, um, just giving some personal uh, input here would be the fact that when you think you know what's about to happen, you don't, right? And when you think you have got it all figured out and you got your plan Get ready for that plan to change, you know, and and change in a good way, right? Um, and just be patient, right? And that's something that I know I struggle with. I think a lot of people tend to struggle with it. Um, but that's one thing that I think I've taken away from this episode of the podcast and the episode that I always have with Zach when I'm on <laughs> talking with him on the phone about a variety of different things. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed. Make sure to stick around for the I don't know. This is the end. So don't, you don't have to stick around for anything, but be sure to give us a five-star review. Uh, it does mean a lot. It does help the algorithm do its thing and, and get the show out in front of more people. So that's super helpful. If you want to write something nice, go for it. You know, I'd love to hear what you guys think of the show, what you guys are doing out on the water and be sure to check us out on social media at along the keel on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and check us out on YouTube where you can watch this episode go down. And we got something really cool coming 2022. I know I've been saying that for a while, but Zach is going to be involved as well as a lot of the other brands that are I've been on the podcast will also be involved. So stick around, tune in. As always, work hard, do good, be incredible, and have an awesome day.